everybody to all of the veterans out there thank you for your service this is the street smart mental health podcast normally we come to you from the lou fuse automotive group studio but today we have a little field trip we're at the michelob ultra studios here at hubbard radio that'll become more obvious here in a moment when we introduce our guest my name is michael wellington the man to my left is my tag team partner many of you know him as the natty king his name is Brandon McNamee. What is up, my man? How are you today? Dude, I'm great. This um, this place is fantastic. It's cool, isn't it? Yeah, this is cool. This is <laughs> this is really fucking cool. Yeah, we've got a we've got a special guest today, a man who has built a wonderful business in the radio world, the podcast world. He's done it through a love of gambling, a love of interviewing adult film stars, uh, and a healthy dose of nepotism. The one and only Tim McKernan. Thank you, Michael. It's wonderful to be with you, fine gentlemen. We are so excited. Excited to be here. I mean, this is this is the big leagues, Man. HD two radio. Yeah. This is the mountaintop. This is Everest. <laughs> well, first, how's the view? <laughs> the first thing I said was when we walked in, you can hear no no echoes whatsoever. Yeah. Like it's it's almost kind of messing with my head a little bit. When we're in our place, I mean. You hear a horn honking outside. <laughs> you hear, I mean, it's fucking totally different. This is really cool. I'm it's excited to be here. It's my pleasure to have you guys here. Welcome yeah, to it was, our, it was uh, very nice uh, for you to make the invite. You know, obviously our job with Street Smart is to make the discussion about mental health louder. And, and Timmy, I know you've you've seen a, a number of years ago me struggle a little bit. I think, you, you know, you had a little bit of a front row seat to that. And one of the things I wanted to touch on today with you is, and I'd love to find out if this was on purpose or not. I know, you know you're a busy man. You've got children, you're married, you've got a lot of things going on in the broadcast media world. You know, we want to talk about some of the things you do to take care of yourself. But there was something that happened a number of years ago that I noticed with you is you, you were a really avid card player. You spent a lot of time playing poker. You were really good at it. And then you made a shift over to golf, and I felt like that was something that was certainly beneficial for your mental health. Was that something that was on purpose, or was that kind of an organic thing that just happened? For some reason, the government shut down online poker on April fifteenth, two 2011. I still don't know why in the United States. And therefore, I couldn't play any longer. You can still play, but you're kind of doing it in unregulated settings. Not to say that it was regulated before I would play in poker stars. And I was making money doing that, and I loved doing it. But it's also an isolated hobby. You're by yourself, mm -hmm. and inevitably, in a poker tournament, even if you are mathematically ahead and you play, quote-unquote, optimally, you're going to get blown up. And if you've played in a tournament for, like, seven hours, and you get it in with ace-king, and somebody gets it in with ace-queen, and a queen hits, and your tournament's over, and it might have cost you a few thousand dollars, that's not a fun way to go to work. So when that was shut down, a few years later, I started playing golf again. And what I found about it, and I don't know what your experience with it is, but it's so much healthier because certainly your practice can be by yourself. But when you're playing, you're with other people. And that, at this point, playing at the level that I play at is is the best part about it, is the socializing, you know, and you're just bullshitting with people. That's the best part. As opposed yeah. to when I'm playing poker by myself, it's an isolated habit. And then when you get blown up in a tournament, for my wife she would then have to deal with me being all pissy because I just lost on whether I made a mistake or the math didn't work out, you know? So, so would you say that your mood after a bad day at the poker table was different than your mood after a bad day on the golf course? Yes, 100%. 
Yeah, not not a good thing. I would I would tell you I think it actually probably played a role in me getting divorced. We both know my first sure. wife. Would be odd if I didn't know, but you do also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just because all I did was play poker from 2004 up until the time we got divorced, which was just look back and go, just like what kind of an asshole, you know, would do that? And the answer is me. <laughs> and then I did it for a couple more years. And then the government, if anything, helped by taking it away. I loved it. I think it's odd that people can't choose to do with their money what they want. And considering the prevalence of gambling now, why that, which is a truly a game of skill, more so than like playing craps or slots or something like that. But whatever. Most people don't want to hear that, that you can't choose to do that. I would imagine it'll be regulated at some point. But it wasn't healthy mentally to sit by yourself. And then if you get knocked out, go like a like an addict almost go, okay, what's the next tournament? I'm going to go get healthy and I'll buy into another tournament. And then it just keeps going and going. And now all of a sudden it's midnight and I've been folding or raising or calling for, you know, nine hours. Just because I'm not totally privy on that. You did this like basically a job. No, it was a a side thing, but it's it's all I did as far as outside of outside. It was like your main hobby. I, I true. I can recall I was playing golf 2004 with a guy and at Norwood and all I was doing at that time, I would work. I did television and radio and play golf. That was the addiction, was the golf. Now I'm back on the addiction of golf. He goes, you ever play poker? And I go, no. I, mean, what the? I see it on ESPN, and I immediately, if it's on, I, I just flip past. I'm like, why are they showing guys, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then I went up to Boston for the Cardinals World Series, and we just had some downtime in between the games and our television stuff. And I'm like, oh, I got some time. I guess I'll create an account. And so help me, truly. As much as I think the thought processes that you need to use to, to be good at poker to focus on the thought process and not the results. In other words, if you get your money in mathematically ahead, that to me is the win, even if you wind up losing, which I know sounds perhaps counterintuitive. I think it's helped in business also to remain calm and to think through things. But I wish I wouldn't have played it as much as I did and taken away from my first wife and part of my marriage to my now wife I think playing golf and just being around people is more mentally healthy than sitting there getting pissed off about cards online. Well, there's certainly something that can never be emphasized enough, the difference between being indoors in front of a computer screen. Yes, that's another part, man. You're right. Cards and then being outdoors. Certainly golf and some other things offer that. And I think that's got to be something that you feel like you benefited from. Well, I mean, I played less than 10 rounds of golf in my 30s. Is that right? Less than 10 rounds of golf in my 30s. Wow. I know. So I sit there and I go. Now I would. <laughs> it's like in a, a two weeks. That's, 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 that's a possibly a week. Yeah. And I, I go, oh, that would have been nice if I would have played, you know, for my goal of getting to scratch at some point. If I wouldn't have just like not played around in my 30s, you know, we might be ahead of the, the, the goal at this right. point. But the biggest thing is what you talked about is being inside by yourself and then also at the mercy of what card comes out on the river you know it's just not a healthy way to live i really i cannot tell if you ask biggest regret it would be that is is all the time i spent playing poker truly it helped as far as some thought process stuff but i don't think it was good for relationships we've covered a lot of things here we're going to take a quick break and come right back We 
been here for over 70 years, giving back to community charities, local organizations, and youth athletics. And now we're the official automotive sponsor of St. Louis City SC. We've been here, providing the best car buying experience to our customers. Lou Fuse, we are here with the respect you deserve for 70 years and counting. Welcome back to Street Smart. We're going to get right back to the action. How long ago did you make the switch from from poker to golfing? Started playing golf again in 2016. Oh, okay. So, so um, about seven or eight years. Now. So I mean, it was right before I turned 40. Uh, yeah, yeah. Better late than never, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't give it, don't be too hard on yourself about that. I'd say. You know, I've I've listened to your show and been a fan of your show the morning after for many many years, and and one of the things I notice about you and your show is there's a lot of laughter. There's a lot of comedy. And I think that's something that people don't realize how important that is. And if you're lucky enough to have a job where you laugh a lot mm-hmm. during the day. And I, it's one of the things I love about your guys' show is like, you know, I, luckily I know the show a little bit. So I, I laugh when I'm by myself in the car listening. But is that something that you feel grateful for in the sense that, hey, I get to go to work and there's going to be, you know, for at least three or four hours, there's going to be a lot of laughter. hundred percent. We just did a podcast uh, two days ago for, on my podcast where I said, because, you know, as a as somebody who's worked and seen some of the, the unique spots we've been in before we got to this, mm-hmm. Brandon, we've been in some places, man, that while things are good right now, I also, because we've dealt with some you know, adversity, so to speak, with our different stops along the way since this show started in 2004, that while it's good now to acknowledge and be grateful for the fact that it's good now as opposed to when it's over and it inevitably will end however it goes down, going, oh, man, I wish I would have appreciated how great it was. Because right now in January of 2023, we are very fortunate to be working for the caliber of people. Truly, this isn't, I mean, you know, I, I don't know if anybody in Hubbard management will ever hear me say this, but I mean, I really do feel this way. We're working for some truly great people. I know you've gotten to know some of them, mm-hmm. Michael, and they're professionals. They're kind. They're appreciative of the show. Certainly the show makes them money, but it's it's more than that. I think they've kind of tapped into something that they didn't realize had the following that it did. But for us, we're grateful that we're in a spot like this. And so you don't want to go, okay, now that we're here, let's see what the next big thing is. I certainly want to continue to grow, but you don't want to just not appreciate it in the moment. Yeah, just kind of sit back, take it in for a second. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, we, I think we all fail to do that every now and then. Well, sometimes when I'm in spring training, which is about as high as I get and Michael and I spend time in, in Jupiter, and I recall one time, and it might have been like a decade ago, because I've been lucky enough to go there since 1998 when the Cardinals moved to Jupiter for spring training. I remember getting on 95 from PGA to head north to Donald Ross, where the Cardinals ballpark is, and I remember thinking to myself, God, I am covering my hometown team. It's 80 degrees. It's February, <laughs> and I am getting paid to be here, and they're paying for my accommodations. You know, this <laughs> yeah. is... Right. This is I, I just have to appreciate this because this is this is what I know a lot of people would love to be in this spot. And I got to check myself and be grateful for this experience because at some point it will end. And inevitably you look back and go, man, that was great. Well, I want to appreciate how great it is in the moment. Man, it's super well said, really. Yeah. One of the biggest talents I think you have, Timmy, is you're a very keen observer. And whether that means you're observing sports or you're observing gambling. What do you observe in the last, let's say, half a dozen years as we talk about the mental health climate? Obviously, you're familiar with my story. You've been instrumental in helping Birdies for Bipolar get its name out there and kind of make that conversation a little bit louder. But 
you know, are there things that in the, in the sports world that you've noticed that are different nowadays? Because I do know you pay attention to things rather closely. Social media, I think, is overall a major negative. I, it's certainly positive, so I don't want to paint it all one way. But I think I think that impacts the manner with teams message fans, the manner with which players message fans, but more so and I understand most of us are not professional athletes, you get experience with it, you know, certainly out on the PGA Tour, but the way that fans will treat players, and somehow this, if a player, or even a low-tier radio host like me, were to tweet something that, you know, was quote-unquote controversial, I'll be gone. Right. But a fan, now usually they're going to do it from an anonymous account, and that cloak of anonymity is what allows people to be incredibly <laughs> to badass, want, right? right? But can just, like, be so incredibly beyond unkind, to be polite using the word unkind, because it's really more vicious than that. And then these athletes, whether they're as high profile as a Tiger Woods or as, you know, as a high school athlete, are expected to just turn the other cheek. But that's what the expectation is. Because if I go after somebody and I can open up whatever account now and we can pull some up, but I mean, you just get used to it, mm-hmm. that that then leads to, I'm the bad guy. Well, you got to be above it. You got to have thicker skin. I'd be like, I'd be interested if you were sitting in my chair, how you would handle it. Cause I know you've never been in my Man, chair. Dude, no shit. And so from that standpoint, I think it's created a greater chasm between fans and players, because understandably, players, most of whom are teens and 20s, are young, and all of a sudden they go from just being playing a game they love, and all of a sudden they're doing it at a high level. Now they're getting compensated for it in most cases, including college now, to now you can open up your phone at any moment. I have this happen to me, you know, certainly not as much as a professional athlete, and you just read something that's intended to fuck you up mm-hmm. and make you feel badly. Mm-hmm. And it's, of course, done from a burner account been lucky enough to to get to know Joe Buck, travel with Joe Buck. And I recall being on the road with him one time in 2012 and there were some fans at Giants, oh, it's MetLife Stadium now in New York and he called the Falcons game, Falcons-Giants playoff game. And the Giants went on to win the Super Bowl a few weeks later and the Giants fans were turning around flipping them off because that's kind of, you know, whatever, that's what you do. And Joe said to Aikman as we were leaving MetLife Stadium, he goes, you know, sometimes I just want to lean over and flip them back off and then I think it was Joe's stat wizard guy, Steve Horn, goes, you know, you never can do that because somebody will have their phone up and then you will be as wildfire on the internet. Gone. Just like that. You yeah. just can't But that's essentially that's that's a physical example of what social media is metaphorically, which is essentially a bunch of people telling you to fuck off or how bad you are. Mm-hmm. And it is really unpleasant. Now I've been dealing with it since the late nineties on message boards. I hate it. My fantasy used to be threesomes. My fantasy now is whatever (laughs) moment it is when I go, I'm done. I will now delete Twitter. I will now delete Facebook. I will now delete Instagram. And I will now reside in Jupiter, Florida and work on my short game with you and still fumble fuck around. And that will be it. That is all. That's what I fantasize about now. Because the quote-unquote fame, if you won't even call this fame, I mean, it's local, low tier, but... It is. I hear younger people talk. They want to be influencers. They want to make money that way. Nobody really has a business model. They say, that's what I want to do. Well, how are you going to make money? How are you going to monetize it? But I'm just telling you, it is not. I think psychologically, it has done more to destroy young people's minds than anything we have seen in, in modern America. It is poisonous 
what goes on. And I think it can be remedied if this, of course, is not realistic, but if people were not able to use anonymity. The anonymity is what, what allows it. But it, it, I, I, I'm looking at it through the eyes of a 46-year-old who, you know, if I want to do it, okay, I'm done. I can just go and go down to Jupiter. But what if you're, I don't know, 15? Oh, man, right. That's, who, that's what I think about. And as somebody with a 5-year-old and a 1-year-old, you know, it'll be different by the time they get to that level. But a 15-year-old, you know, whether it be a girl or a boy, and I guess the way that they're bullied is not necessarily like motherfucking them per se, but like the pictures of we're all here and you're that, not. I got a what that does. I got a 12-year-old. She okay, deals with so a 12-year-old girl. And so there you go. So what is that like, man? Oh, it's terrible. It's got to be heartbreaking for uh, you. Well, right? yeah, and they do it on purpose. That's and what I'm they, 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 But then it's the same kids she was just with yesterday. So then they just do it all to each other, and I just don't fucking get it. And they do it under like... That they're not—they're not trying to be. In, they know but what they're doing, but it's not. It's, it's like you said, it's not motherfucker. It's, it's, it's not passive right. aggressive, and yeah. it's gross. And I mean, she. But these kids these days, man, they're so connected. It's not even fucking funny. Like when we were twelve years old, we'd see each other's bike outside of each other's house, and that's when we knew we were hanging out. Right. These kids are all day long Snapchat, TikTok, just all day back and forth text. It's insane how connected the youth is, and that they they use it. They don't use it well. They don't, they don't use it to, to do good for each other. Yeah, so, for sure. so you guys both have two kids. And one of my very best friends in the whole world is the University of Tennessee baseball coach, Tony Vitello. And I always would say to Tony, hey, what's your biggest challenge in recruiting? And he said, bad parenting. He said, it's easily the, the biggest challenge. To bring that full circle with you guys, what can you do and what can parents do to monitor these social media situations, these bullying situations, is there a remedy? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't have kids. five-year-old so and a one-year-old, I am, I'm in the top of the first inning, so I'll yield the floor to you, Bernie, because I don't know anything about it. You're dealing with it. So it's, it's hard because you have to walk this fine line between not excluding them, because all the other kids are doing this shit. Right. All the other kids are on Snapchat. So if I'm like, hey, you can't have Snapchat, then all of a sudden she's the odd kid out. So then you got to right. figure out a way to balance it, to limit it, and it's, it's, it's really tough because... All the kids are over here. Well, you can't go there. <laughs> you know, yeah. you have, today you have to, we're, we're on an off day. You know, we're home today. So if her, forgive my ignorance, but if her phone is taken away as a disciplinary move by you, do her friends make fun of her for not having a phone? Is that, yeah, she, how does that work? So they'll, well, sometimes, but most of the time it's, man, the shit that they make fun, the way they are these days. Is really? So what do they make fun of? What do they yeah. do? Well, they'll, they'll just, she'll feel excluded. Yeah. You know, she's just excluded. And then take a bunch of pictures together, like you were saying, and are all right. over at this this right. gal's house. And then she's, I can't have my phone. I know what they're doing. I know what they're doing. They're all playing. They're all having fun. They're all doing this. They're all doing that. And it's just like, shit, now I'm excluding you, but I'm trying to discipline you. And I know you're going to get shit for it. But at the same time, I know you can't, this is what we got to do. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's a tough, it's a tough love type thing. But you're also, you got to balance all these fucking kids, like, and they're just awful. They're they're awful. Some of these kids out there, man. It's, it's I would imagine crazy. individually they're probably not, but when they get together in a group, just like I was, and some of them was the middle it, of the well, group. Yeah, and when I say they're awful, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say, hey, this child's awful because you know it's it's a 12 year old. I'm not gonna. Talk it's about the mentality. It. You're but, finding yourself and you're insecure, even though you're not aware that you're insecure, and you want to be part of the group and fit mm-hmm. in, and so it becomes like a chameleon. Yeah, the group the, it, when they mob mentality, right, man, up on each other is. Harsh. So I'm more understanding of that with a 12 year old, even though I don't deal with a 12 year old. The people who usually are motherfucking me are older. Yeah. And, I, and I, when I say older, I'm not even talking about like 30s and 40s. 
Some of the meanest motherfuckers are like in their their sixties and seventies. Is that I don't, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I don't know what the, I have no idea what the deal with it is. I'm sure you could psychoanalyze it, and you know, in other words, it's not like a CEO who's like you, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's not somebody who's got a a family and you know they're living in a nice. You, you know it's what I someone mean? who yeah. may be playing poker by themselves <laughs> in a exactly, dark room. and yeah. just had Ace King lose to Ace Queen. <laughs> And it was me had the government not stepped in. <laughs> so I think back to what you were saying a few minutes ago about having social media influence. I You probably don't. We just met. But I have a uh, a pretty large Facebook group called The End is Near. So let's yeah, I'm aware of this. It's, it's pretty, you know, I'm the forefront of it. A couple hundred thousand followers locally. It's nothing nothing crazy. You have but a couple hundred thousand followers in St. Louis? That's like a 15th of the metropolitan area you got. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, yeah, okay, maybe. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a pretty good size. But... It's hard, man. You'll have a hundred thousand good comments, but you see that one, sure. and that one sticks out. It could be, it could be it's human nature. Thousands of people that are like, "Dude, hey, great job with that, great job." And some guys like, "Fuck you," and it's like you can't help but focus on that. Hey, negative. so so let's talk about that for a second because when we started, you started talking about the podcast and some of your sites. There was a guy that responded about beer drinking and yeah. asking, and I, and I thought yeah. his comments were kind of ridiculous. Yeah, and I was curious about my father. Yes. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, every other, co- so I, I basically posted my why on why, why I'm doing this with, with Mike, as far as the podcast. And it was, I was pretty vulnerable for a minute. And I said, you know, I had an alcoholic father, that's, that's my mother, but I had my mother's, sorry, my mother's right next to me. Um, but yeah, I had an alcoholic father and I started a Facebook group called the end is near. So let's drink beer. Now the idea is it's not, let's get fucked up. It's, Let's have a beer. Hey, let's talk. Let's link up. Like it was the beginning yeah, of the pandemic. Right. Yeah. It's the beginning of the pandemic. And it's like, hey, let's all just kind of not isolate ourselves like the government's telling us yeah. what we need to do and not get all fucked up mentally and lose our minds. And uh, this guy goes, well, why the hell would you start a, I posted about how I had an alcoholic father. Why the hell would you start a Facebook group called the end is near, so let's drink beer if you had an alcoholic father. It's like, well, dude, I'm not an alcoholic. Right. And it's really, this is what we really do. And it that really just fucking thorn in my ass, man. Ugh. Well, there's a lack of awareness. Because well, then you're there. going, then you're going. To the, it's it's one thing if you get take a shot, like hey, the show sucks, which I've read God only knows how many sure. times. Sure. But if you go after family, it's kind of like mafia rules. Yeah. You know, like yeah. Iggy this morning was upset that my wife didn't send him a Christmas card. You know? <laughs> was he? Yeah. <laughs> Consider the source. Yeah. Exa- well, that's yeah. that's exactly where I was going. You just beat me before I got off at the exit. But the point being that hey, you leave the families out of it, and in this case, this this one guy is bringing your father into right. it, which is why it's more of a raw nerve. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I've learned. For example, I used the name Joe Buck earlier, but even if it was somebody who's, you know, not calling Super Bowls, but Randy Carricker, who's established himself and had been in the market for 40 years, and if he were to say, hey, what you guys did on TMA today, you know, I I don't think that was great. I'm going to pay attention to that. If it's somebody who's using a dog avatar on Twitter... Yeah, I'm like, okay. Yeah. yeah, what do you, you know, whatever you say, pal. Right, yeah. right, and that, and that's the thing. But I recall the first time I got it. It was on Tiger Board, Missouri Fan Board, in uh, twenty or no, not even twenty, nineteen ninety nine. And Kareem Rush, who wound up having a good career at Missouri and played for the Lakers. Lefty. That's right. I had a big game against uh, the Duke uh, team that won the national championship in 2001 in the NCAA tournament. I saw him outside the Hearn Center. The big debate was whether or not he was going to go to Missouri or UCLA. I'm 21 or so, and I'm just starting out, and I'm anchoring on KOMU-TV, the NBC affiliate in Columbia, and he says, I'm coming here. 
Now I don't. This wasn't a soundbite. Yeah. This is just him telling me. Well, if that happened now, I'd be like, "Oh, that's great. I'll wait for Frank Cusimano to report it. I'm going to go, you know, work on my putting." But then I'm like, "I'm going on the anchor desk and I'm reporting this." Well, then immediately people, "Who the fuck is Tim McKernan?" You know. And what Rush told me was, "I'm." I said, "When are you announcing?" He said, "Either Friday or Monday." In my excitement level. I said, I think it was probably a Thursday night sportscast. I said, he's announcing it tomorrow. I didn't include the or Monday. Why? I have no idea. So for when he didn't announce it on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, up until the time he announced it on Monday, I was persona non grata amongst Missouri fans, of which I am one. And they're like, who the fuck is this guy? He didn't know what he's talking about. You know. Oh, so, I, I, so, so at 21 years old, I got my baptism, which I still get yeah. to this day. I got yeah. it you know, about 20 minutes ago, 101 ESPN. It's part of the deal. But once you've gotten it so much in a sad way, it's not that you become invincible to it because that's not true. And I don't think anybody would tell you that, but it's certainly you become more callous. It's callous. You're you're just like, okay, it comes with it. But I can't wait till I don't have to deal with it anymore. I I dead serious. I cannot wait. I I cannot wait to never deal with it. It gives you anxiety. It, 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 to, To know that I get like there's a sound my phone makes when it's a DM on Facebook. Yeah. And anybody who knows me, who I want to talk to, has my number. So therefore, this is most likely somebody who, I'm sure you deal with if you're moderating a page, which, by the way, I just applied to join. Uh, As my my mother. (laughs) Oh, so you know, you know what I'm talking about. It's 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 one of those things. It's like okay, it's somebody who wants something, you know. Like if I get a text from you, like oh, this is going to be great, you know. It's probably going to be about one particular topic, and I'm going to laugh, <laughs> you know. But if I get a DM on Facebook, like oh fuck, is the podcast not up? Are you not happy with like Doug's political opinions? Why don't you reach out to fucking Doug? You know, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, why are you going through me? Like I'm the police. Oh yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah every so, every day. I don't, so as, for the life of me. Uh, it's just it's it it does it one hundred percent causes anxiety, and it's something I could sit here and tell a twenty year old who wants to get into this business about it. And there's there's so many more things to mm-hmm. talk about this business. I'm talking about broadcasting, than voice enunciation and moving my eyebrows to drive home a point and focusing and slowing down my tone at a big <laughs> moment. Right, that stuff isn't what pays the bills. Generating revenue and monetizing the airtime and the content is what pays the bills. Mm-hmm. Also, conducting yourself professionally is what pays the bills. But my caveat emptor would be you are going to deal with things that nobody knew about in 1998 at the University of Missouri Journalism School. And that is the hate you will receive on social media because we didn't have it. And it is brutal. And I feel terribly for the people who are younger than me that kind of have to deal with it. I don't have to tweet, so I really don't all that often. I don't have to post on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok, fortunately. Because I have, I, it would be a miserable existence to be at the mercy of the mob. Fuck the mob. The mob is nameless. The, the mob is most likely can, made up of people who haven't really done the things that they wanted they to do. Shit. And so that is their way to catch scalps. Yep. And that is the byproduct <gasps> of social media is the nameless, faceless people making the people who have accomplished some things miserable and subjected to then go and apologize to them. And the apology, by the way, is never enough. So fuck the apology. Do you think that yeah. all those experiences of hearing the haters and people rate you and rank you and all that shit, do you think that's made you mentally tougher over time? Um, I guess I, I, we've dealt mm. with things that have been incredibly, di- I mean, once you get sued by Albert Pujols and you're in your business, you've kind of, you know, <laughs> you put your helmet on. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've kind of stared down Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger. And Great gone, reference. Okay, yeah. You know, if we can get past this one, then I think those experiences 
of overcoming that and building a business have made us tougher. Yeah. You recognize the social media stuff for what it is. And I guess, I guess, like it used to be, I mean, people got the name troll. It wasn't a compliment, but now ESPN will have, you know, a little thing on Instagram. Look at the way Florida State trolled the Florida account and be like, oh, mm-hmm. we're, we're going to jerk ourselves off about the way a university <laughs> right. that, you know, isn't half academically the university of the, not that I got any allegiance to Florida or Florida State, but, you know, trolled the other one over, you know, like a, a running play in the third quarter of like, like mm-hmm. that, uh, sweet, like nice win. Like who, but that we're celebrating that. And by the way, kind of along those lines, I see this and my children aren't there, but yours are, you know, in that age range. They'll show these plays, and they're amusing, don't get me wrong, of like a, a nine-year-old, you know, breaking the ankles of another nine-year-old on a basketball court. But now it's on the ESPN Instagram account, and I'm thinking to myself, what if I were the parent of the nine-year-old who had his ankles broken, and, and now there are millions of people seeing that? And I wonder, like, is there a permission for that? Right. Because, I, listen, it's amusing, but I'm also thinking psychologically what it does to that nine-year-old that his ankles broken, and now millions Everybody's of people are Everybody's seeing it. All right. his, his kids as age are seeing it. It's not 100%. just— 100%. And now he becomes a joke, and he has to live with that. I, I just think it's— <laughs> It's 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 not a toughening up process. The human brain is not programmed to deal with the masses wanting to take you down. That's why it was shaming. But it was shaming. You would walk through the town and be shamed face to face. Now it's done anonymously or people change their names or they have burner accounts. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, as far as mental health goes, you see you see athletes retiring earlier. I believe it's because of social media and the impact mental health has. You see musicians Go into counseling because I believe they get addicted to take your pick of whatever substance to try to manage. You can sit there and go, my God, you know, whomever you would go is at the top of the game from a a film standpoint, music standpoint, whatever. But those people also are dealing with numbers of hatred, stalkers sometimes too, because it cuts both ways, that make life a living hell. And they, I'm, I'm telling you, I bet millions, well not millions because there aren't millions of them, but I bet a high percentage of those people would do anything to go back to the anonymity that they had God. and not be in a I, spot where they walk outside and somebody immediately wants something from them. And if they don't smile like it's wonderful to have your meal interrupted or your time with your family interrupted, oh, fuck, I met so-and-so and he's an asshole. Yeah. Well, I didn't really care to have my meal with my I family was interrupted. Right. Yeah. And I can't imagine on a higher level. I mean, like I said, I'm... Facebook group owner. Like I'm small, I mean, I, but like those people, I can't imagine the impact that has on them. Like since we sat down, I've had three messages right now and they're uh, from people I don't know. And it, what fucks me up the most is that we do a lot, we do a lot of charity work for kids with cancer and terminal illnesses and shit like that. And people will post, Hey, or they'll send me a message. Hey, my, my kids, this, and I'll get like six or seven a day at sometimes. And if I don't respond to them, it, like, I, I feel like they think I'm a piece of shit. But I can't respond to them all. Now, you know do they I mean? actually tell you you're a piece of no, shit? No, but I feel, I feel no, I like it. that's what they're thinking. I, that's, a, that's, you know? that's something I, I, under, I that's, 100% understand what you, you're talking about. Do you about. respond to all these people? What I have told people with regards to, because everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people deal with take your pick of whatever situation. And mm. the last thing you want to do, because you're not, there's no way you're unsympathetic to it. Totally not But you also can't, you cannot, every time somebody asks to have a charity promoted or yeah. a cause promoted, then have them on the air. Yeah. Now, I will explain that to people as to the reasoning. And almost every time, I actually don't even know if I can recall a time where somebody didn't understand. But I take the time, and it might take two minutes, to, or I can just copy and paste it off a Word doc and then paste I, it and I, explain it and say, here's the reasoning. I understand it. I really hope the best for you. And if you would like to post it yourself, 
be yeah. my guest on the TMA fan page on Facebook. But as far as calling in to talk about it on the radio, we can't, it's we like, can't do that. And I try to tell them if you did that over and over and over, people wouldn't listen. We couldn't help anybody. Right. You right. know what I mean? Like, but it takes a toll. It takes a sure. toll. And it's just one of those things. And at the same time, I know, I would imagine, I'm sure some of our listeners will hear me here and go, God, he sounds, I, hope, I don't know how I come off. I mean, it's honest. So do with it what you want. This is just kind of the other side of it. And it's, I, you know, when I, so when I read and hear that younger people, and by younger I mean in their teens, one of their goals, it's, well, I just want to be famous. I go, God. Now, now the fame I have is like the worst kind. Because usually if you're really famous, you have millions of dollars. You go, okay, fuck it. Who cares? <laughs> or you're a politician. You have power. And you go, Something. fuck it. Nobody cares. You know, being like a low-level local celebrity is the worst because you don't necessarily have a lot of lo- like fuck you money anyway. <laughs> yeah. And then you're in your city. So then like, that's why I love being in Jupiter. Nobody knows or yeah. cares, you know, yeah. who I am. And we can just going like golf. <laughs> well, Timmy, let me ask you this while I'm thinking about it. You know, you're a super busy guy. You always have three hours in the morning with TMA. Then you've got the stuff on 101 and Balloon Party. You, you have your sound story that's really taken off, which is an awesome idea. I think people love it. You know, you, you're married. You've got two little boys at home. Like, what kind of things are you doing to take care of your mental health, whether it's exercise, whether it's, you know, reading? You know, are there, are there things you do in your routine that, because the reason I want to know this is because I want other people, if they hear something that they like from your list of things you do, uh, maybe they could apply that in their I, own life. You share this one, exercise. It's something that you go into it, you go, God, I think most people probably don't. I really don't want to do this. A of lot course. Of Does that really Every help? time Does I that do really it. help? Oh. Because <laughs> I, I, you hear it all the time. And that's, oh, yeah. that's your thing? Endorphins? I have to do it. I yeah. have to do it. I mean, literally, for my bipolar, I have to. Okay. I mean, huh. it's just, I, I really, and then I get done, like at the tail end, I'm like, yes, I got that mm-hmm. done, check that off, and then you feel better. So it's it's almost like taking a drug, really. Totally. And then this one is one that'll be a lot easier, and more people may enjoy this recommendation. I've just re- relatively recently gotten into it. I don't watch something that is either intense or potentially depressing, even though I might be interested in watching a documentary or something like that before I go to bed. Hmm. Every night now, I'll either watch one of my favorite shows of all time, kind of obscure. It was on HBO in the early 90s, The Larry Sanders Show, which then opened the door for uh, shows like Curb Your Enthusiasm. So I go to bed on the high of laughing. Boy, is that yeah, smart. that's a good and idea. It, it, I, just, I stumbled into it, but it really does work. And then I get to a point where I'm exhausted. I turn the TV off and I am thinking about the nonsense that I just watched and I'm going to a bed in a clear mind. Good mood. That's Happy actually, mood. That's a fucking good idea. That is a nice... <laughs> I stumbled uh, into that one, but it works for me and maybe yeah. it'll work for other people. Exactly. And I think that's, that's one of the things we're trying to do with Street Smart is not everybody is going to agree with certain ideas or certain practices, but you know, hearing things like that, that's going to open the door to people saying, hey, you know what? Maybe try if, that. Maybe maybe not Larry Sanders. Maybe I'll watch Seinfeld before I yeah. go to bed. You know, yeah. whatever. But that's awesome. But you're in a good that. mood. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and and to be honest with you, I, I've also read something where, and I've tried to apply this where you could do some some writing before you go to bed, and that writing is kind of the same thing you're talking about. It's either happy or positive, and then you go to bed kind of with that good mindset. Yeah, I know? think there's just something if you have a routine. We talk about with golf having a routine, same mm-hmm. thing because it kind of t- turns your mind off, and then. For me, that puts it's something I look forward to. I'm like, okay, I've done everything. It's whatever time I'm going to bed that night, 9 30, 9 45. I'll probably watch this for 15, 20 minutes, and then I'll go to bed. And I've kind of cleansed my palate from the day, and, yeah. and then we'll start tomorrow at 5 a.m. Well, hey, man, 
Thank you so much for having us yeah. in. I've Thanks. enjoyed the hell out of this. this I can go three big. more hours with you guys. <laughs> this That's was, the danger uh, of having me as a guest. I, I like it. Had a yeah, no, it was, it was good. Thank you. I know you're busy, and we appreciate you letting us My come pleasure. in. My pleasure. Fucking. Thank awesome. you guys for doing what you're doing. I mean, oh, I think oh, what you're doing yeah. is a wonderful thing. Just a well, thank you. Just a couple of dudes. We like we said, we don't try to be experts or doctors or anything. Just a couple of dudes. Just want to hear about everybody else's experiences and how they're fixing it and what they're doing to help well, tolerate it. What you're doing is you're helping people, so that's yeah. a good thing. That is the Natty King. Tim McKernan, thank you for being with us, and we will see you all next time on Street Smart. Yo.